The Witching Hour with Aaron Maza is a Mind Garden Media podcast in association with Screw You Todd Productions. My name is Aaron Maza, and this is The Witching Hour. Hey everyone, it's Aaron. Thank you to everybody who listened to last week's episode with the wonderful Jamie Wagner. And let me welcome you to this week's episode with the equally wonderful Mawia Bomani, author of Conjuring the Calabash. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did making it. And if you have any questions, you know where to find me. Hey, Mawia, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am thankful that it is in the double digits outside here in St. Louis. How's it down there in Louisiana? Oh, my God. It's it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> I'm jealous. I remember one time I came down there to see some family, and mm-hmm. it was like 60 degrees, and everybody's in like their puffy coats, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm walking around in a tank top dressed like this, and everyone's like, are you crazy? Right, right, go, right. St. Louis, St. Louis. And I go, ah, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. the world's coldest Mardi Gras. There you go. There you go. <laughs> It's very hazardous to get them beads. Yes, yes. You don't want to catch them. You just no. want to let them pass you by. Nope. I just let them fall on the ground, and then I there just go, go. Mm. I just go <laughs> down and pick them up. All right. So the first question I would like to ask is, who is Mawia? Who are you in a nutshell for those who have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet? Okay. So recently I decided that I was going to call myself a spiritual disruptor because I sort of mm-hmm. like that term. And so for me, you know, growing up where I was about five years old when I could first see spirits, right? And um, my mom really helped me through that because, you know, she could see them when she was younger. And one of the things that she taught me then was that, you know, you, first of all, don't go to tell, because I was in Catholic school, don't go tell the nuns, you know, that you see spirits, you know. And so she really, she was into astrology and tarot. And so she taught me how to tune them out for a bit, you know, and to have a, just to have a sort of a, a child life, you know. And as I grew older, you know, I learned how to sort of work with them, you know, get the answers to questions that they might have. And that sort of really got me into wanting to learn more about my own background, studying more about Orisha work, Vodun, and different things like that. I was initiated to Ifa. And so that has also helped balance out my life. So for me now, I work and I try to teach and really try to get individuals to understand, you know, that there is nothing wrong with these indigenous practices. You know, don't look at them as being, you know, something that we have to demonize. So that's where I am right now. And that's, I guess, that's sort of where I get the whole idea of being a disruptor, you know, trying to get people to come back to their beginnings, you know, and their cultural beginnings. Whatever that folk magic is, it's very useful. The reason I think like the the other side likes to demonize like indigenous spirituality and spirituality that is particular to one's culture is because like that's power. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's one of the first things from what I've read in history books is one of the first things they took away from the people they brought over mm-hmm. from the Aruban region and various mm-hmm. other parts of Africa is they took away their spirituality. They took mm-hmm. away their names. Right, 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 right. Exactly. And so, you know, you think about like this quote I always toss out to people, Napoleon said it right. Religion is what keeps the the poor from murdering the rich. 
you know, and so, and so, you know, and so you, you, you have this whole idea, like you just said, of, you know, taking that power away, you know, making them, you know, infusing them into a different belief system where they, where they really feel lost, you know, and they feel disconnected from their source. And so there is no um, liberation. There is no revolution within your blood anymore because now you just bought in to a system that is not inherently you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anything, in my opinion, this is me getting on my soapbox, it's mind control. Yeah. And it is a whitewashing and pasteurization mm-hmm. of African culture, Middle Eastern culture, mm-hmm. uh, Latin American, and like even like pagan spirituality circles mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. People want to treat people's cultures like it has a perforated page. Right. Right. And you can just take right. that and that yes. and that. Yes. They don't understand when you take the part, you have to take the whole and That's you have it. to be knowledgeable. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you grew up on this path, and I just think it's so cool that you had a mom who was supportive and Mm -hmm. wanted to help you develop, but at the same time was like, don't tell the nuns. (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) You know, and it's funny because I I, when I remember, you know, when I was younger, it wasn't such a big deal, but I thought, you know, the first places that where I saw Ouija boards and things like that was in the Catholic school, right? We'd go to the bathroom and they would have these girls and they'd pull out these boards, you know, let's do this on the floor of the bathroom, right? I I thought, (laughs) Catholic school, right? That was the first place I saw that. And it was one girl, Tony. I mean, she just brought it all in. We would do all kinds of things. And eventually the nuns were like, you got to go. <laughs> That's this girl, you know. But I, can, I can still remember her. You know, I can vividly remember Tony. She brought in everything. She was like, hey, you want to play this game? And we're all looking like, well, what is that? Why are these letters like that? And she's like, come on, we could talk to some people. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> or, you know, yeah. How big was her purse? What is she doing? Is she carrying like an army backpack? She had it. It was like a foldable and she would put it inside her little jacket, you know, (laughs) and flip it open. I had never in my life seen that. And I thought, wow. I didn't know. I didn't know Trapper Keepers made Ouija boards. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) She had it. So, yeah. So. Growing up with a sense of magic and spirituality, how would you define magic and spirituality and what role does the magic user play in the modern world? There is no wrong answer to this. Mm -hmm. I just want to hear your interpretation and your Mm -hmm. thoughts. Well, for me, I, I always believe that, you know, magic in my own idea, is helping the marginalized people. An example, you know, when my daughter, when they were, um, who's queer, and she was trying to start an LGBTQ club at her school, her high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were going to follow all the proper channels. You know, the principal's like, okay, you have to have a sponsor, right? So they got the sponsor. And then she's like, well, you have to have, you know, so many of the um, boosters and the alumni, you know, to support you. So they were getting people, you know, to support them. And so I remember we were going to going for the vote. And a guy said he turns around because I'm with these kids. Right. They're black, white. They're Latino. They're about 20 of them, you know. And he's like, you know, you're going to hell. You know, that's what he says. And your daughter's going. Yeah. Yeah. And God's going to close off your womb. And the kids were like, they were angry. Right. And I'm like, hold up. Hold up. Don't say anything. And so I say to him, I say, well, you know, whatever. We don't even believe in hell. Right. I say, and if my womb gets closed off, I have five kids, dude. That'll give me more time to write. (laughs) I was like, that'll be more time to write. That'll be a blessing. And he's like, you know, so that day, you know, they didn't they didn't get the club naturally. Right. So I told the kids because they were they were all upset. I said, look, we tried it the bureaucratic way. Right. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to add some magic to it. 
So we were explaining, cause, and all the kids bought in because, you know, they're kids, they're young and their families had already were like, I don't want you to come to church with me because you're gay. You know, I don't want, you know, so they were, they were already turned away from their own spiritual systems. So we got together, we got soil from the school, we got candles, you know, and they had these images of Marsha P. Johnson and we were putting them in the soil. The kids were making sigils and things like that, you know, and so we worked that magic, worked it. And I told him, I said, look, you guys are at the school. What are some things that this principal would really like, you know? And so some of the kids were like, well, she wants to, we heard she wants a different job, right? A more cushy job at a different school. So we worked that into our magic, right? So the kids, by the time they had graduated, she had moved on to a new job. The club, you know, happened and they were already gone. This group who had started this magic, but they were so happy and they felt so empowered that they could help the next generation. And so when they got together on a Zoom call, I said, hey, this is your lesson. You know, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you that marginalized groups of people from different backgrounds, different races can't come together and create change. Because Mm -hmm. as you move on in the world, you know, as they move on into their jobs, they're going to have that same information back at them again. Don't go with this group. Don't do that. Hide hide your sexuality. All those things are going to come back. I said, you have to remember this moment and grab a hold to it. And so those kids were so, they felt so good. They were like, my God, magic. It's its own element. And it has helped us to create change. So for me, I always think back at that, at that moment as what the importance of magic and how it, how it transforms all of us, you know? That's very true. And I I love that story. And it's just kind of like bringing up that story is marginalized people. There just always happens to be some extra hurdles. Yes. Yeah. For, for them to go through. And if some, somebody were, were to turn around and tell me I'm going to hell, I'd be, I'd be like, bitch, I got a condo down there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I have, I have a timeshare. Leave me alone. Right, right, right. I'm just vacationing here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And believe me, I can't wait to get back. Mm-hmm. I work at the tag agency. Yeah. Yeah. But like I told the kids, I say, you know, things like that, like him saying those things, he wants you to incite you. Right. So we mm-hmm. start fighting and then it's all of a sudden, see, see what they are. They're problems. They're troublemakers. That's why I said, let me get, I got this one. I got this one. You know, I had a friend, yeah, more like a mentor. He was a drag queen down in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. where I'm originally from. And he said sort of the same thing. Don't get mad. Mm-hmm. Just smile, just mm-hmm. s- smile and mm-hmm. nod mm-hmm. because feel bad for them because their world is teeny yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're terrified of how big and beautiful the world is because exactly. they are always taught exactly. that beauty and feeling and mm-hmm. a multicolored life is something to be scared of because right. Right. they're taught control, 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 control. Mm-hmm. And things like that mm-hmm. we have no control over. Right. And they know that their reach and their numbers are so small. You know, we're mm-hmm. larger than what they are. You know, mm-hmm. they know that their numbers are so small. And so it's keep us divided. Right. It brings them, you know, great joy because now they see that they are, their ideas can can reach the world, right? As long as we're divided and fighting each other and finding fault. And I always say to people, you know, our silence will not protect us, right? That's all mm-hmm. to the Lord. So, you know, when we see something happening to one person, we have to jump in because next is us, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's an old World War II quote. It says they came for my neighbors and I didn't say anything. They Uh came for my family and Uh I didn't say anything. And now here they've come for me and there's no one to speak up. Right, right. Angela Davis said, you know, they'll come for me in the morning. They'll come for you in the evening, right? Or Mm -hmm. in the night. And that's the same thing. Yes, exactly. 
Mm-hmm. I just think it's beautiful. You and I share the same point of view that like magic is the great equalizer. Yes. And yes, it, is. it definitely makes perfect sense that it's kind of funny that the people who try to tell us what to do with our magic and to turn away from magic are the people who don't have any themselves. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I want to talk about this lovely tome. Yeah. Ta-da! Mm-hmm. Conjuring the Calabash. Mm-hmm. And I like it how it's for empowering women. And right from the get-go, I really like how you draw on your own experiences in the book. But you also, chapter one, you illustrate the double standards that even women have to deal with in every circle. Not just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Christian and mm-hmm. organized religion circles, but even in, in certain pagan and alternative spirituality circles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, for me, you know, I meet a lot of people who are welcoming But then, you know, a lot of people are really kind of like, you know, when you think about indigenous practices and our magic, it's like down here and and everything else is way up here, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I guess I didn't really think about that kind of a divide. But, you know, the more I talk to other people of color, you know, and other marginalized groups of people who are in the pagan arena, they say, you know, yeah, you know, we don't have enough of of the, you know, coming together, you know, of people of different groups. So, yeah, I I had to talk about that, you know, in in reference to, you know, the women that I meet, you know, who are saying, you know, we need this. We need to be able to step into spaces, see ourselves, or even if we don't see ourselves, still feel at home. Mm -hmm. It's a thing of beauty that there has been, especially there's been kind of a kind of a renaissance whenever it mm-hmm. comes to like African spirituality and people, like you said, people getting back to their source, mm-hmm. getting back to their roots and connecting with the powers. I love seeing the aha moments mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's uh, not just the church and other things to be scared of. There is an untapped anger there that they have kept them cut off from that for so long, right, like right, an untapped right. generational anger, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a lot of African-American people, they still find it hard to deal with, you know, our practices, right? And especially mm-hmm. like hoodoo. You look at hoodoo as a practice where you don't, there, it doesn't require initiation and things like that. So anybody can practice. And I know in New Orleans, where I'm from, you know, you may go to mass and you may go to, the, you know, the church, you know, the Baptist church and still underneath all of that practice hoodoo, you know? But for some people, it's this whole thing of, no, I can't do that. It's like I'm serving two masters. You know, I can't. But during the pandemic, I found that most of my clients, most of the people who were calling me, you know, were Christian, you know, and they were kind of like whispering it to the phone, you know, <laughs> like, you know. And so when I would talk to them about what it was they were looking for and how, you know, some people who are still Christian, they will still utilize that Bible as part of their magic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we got into that and they were like, well, I don't really understand. And I said, well, if you think about Christianity being imposed upon you, right, then you turn that magic around to work for you against the oppressor. And they were like, oh, okay. Then they got a little louder, you know, (laughs) they could talk a little louder, (laughs) you know, but, you know, finding that that means because they saw themselves, I think the pandemic was an opportunity for them to see that for a lot of them, their preachers were kind of like, you're not here to give me that money. I can't really help you. Just pray on it. And it wasn't serving their their soul, you know, right? And when we're, we're in our fast paced life, 
you know, you don't really think about that where they weren't really thinking about that. You know, I go to church, I do this, I do that. I'm good. You know, but now they're at home, they're watching, you know, George Floyd, they're watching all these things happen. Right. And unravel. And so they're saying, well, that that's not working. That's not working for me. You know, I need something. And so the workings, you know, that came out to be the book were things that were really setting right with their spirit and their soul. Exactly. It kind of it fit, it fit like a shoe that they'd never worn. Right. Exactly. They bought it and they just put it in there. <laughs> yeah, that's the sign of a darn good book. And I also like how in your book, you also talk about the empowering of the women's body. And that's usually something that's stigmatized. It takes like I'll say it again, even in pagan and alternative spirituality circles, the mm-hmm. female body is stigmatized mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's good to get back to. And it's kind of funny that the female body is stigmatized because the earliest forms of divinity that, that were found were all female bodies. Right, 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 right. And once again, it goes back to taking that power away, right? That feminine energy, taking that power away, that's bad. You know, and even if you, even if a body is looked upon as being great, it's only until, you know, your breasts start to sag and now, you know, nobody wants to see you. Go put on a muumuu and sit in the corner, you know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Go become a cat lady. We don't want to see that. You know, so all of those things start to transform. And so when I talk to women, groups of women, I say, you know, I want them to go and experience the mirror. Look at your body. You know, it doesn't matter what size you are, how you look. You don't have to look like a fake Instagram model. Right. You don't Mm -hmm. have to go and get a butt lift, a BBL and all this stuff and almost kill yourself, you know, to look like somebody that you're not. You know, experience the totality of your body, the wealth of your body, the love of your body as it ages. And it's a good thing. And it's it's kind of like a, it's honoring the seasons of your life. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you'll notice I have gray in my beard. I've got gray mm-hmm. at my temples mm-hmm. and on top mm-hmm. of my hair, uh, w- mm-hmm. which is thinning. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to go from a forehead to a five head. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I will. I've told multiple people I'm never going to dye my beard and I'm never going to dye my hair. It's Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't live long enough to get this and get that. You're you're exactly correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even men don't really talk about it or masculine presenting people really don't talk about it that much. But it's just it's a lot more outspoken against we deal with the same thing, but it's a lot more projected onto women and also Mm -hmm. women being treated as objects of wrath. Even just to point to one verse in the epistles, they always cite women should be silent in church. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You should not, you should be silent there. You're not to be, you know, up there preaching or any of that teaching. No, you can cook, you can sit on the side, you can wipe the pastor's forehead, you know, but other than that, right, right. You don't have a role. (laughs) You don't have a space to say anything. And that too, was another thing that um, a lot of women were finding, right? Because as we talked during during the time of the pandemic, they were finding that they had a lot to say and, and nobody was really listening to them. They weren't being heard. They weren't being serviced, you know, in the way in which their issues, you know, the issues that they had with the church or even, even within their relationships, because a lot of times people were locked down. And so, you know, you're having a lot of discourse that's not healthy. And and so the preachers were saying, well, just obey, just do this, just do that. And they're like, no, I have a I have an opinion. I have something that I. And so I just you you would think that all of these ideas and these things, you know, yeah, why, why, why haven't you said that all the while? Right. I know you've been feeling that, but this time gave them that energy. And I think the, the wherewithal to finally say I've had enough, you know. So, yeah. 
and if it's kind of cool for me to be alive right now to see like the rise of the divine feminine mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. back. It it is, and to me, this book is kind of like is the correct word? Would you say like herald? Would be yes, like a, would a herald that. of that. It's mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. like a uh, telling women to raise their flag and make their presence known. And it just kind of makes me, it's just really cool to be alive, to see a lot of the things that I grew up with, especially as a queer individual. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. not just women, it's women who support queer people and mm-hmm. queer representation. And it's the rise of those who used to, who used to be prominent in the first place, but they're not seeking to oppress other people. We're seeking to bring everybody to a equal footing. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that, you know, we get to that point in which everybody feels equal, then we can have a a genuine discourse about how we want to proceed with the world, you know? So yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, when women feel empowered, then we have a change, we have a shift, right? In the, in the in the universe, we have all this masculine energy that says go, you know, and so we get this feminine type energy that really wants to soothe out the the spaces, right? And so that's what I that's what I had hoped with the book, and that's why I included things about caring for our children, caring for our elders, you know, even the men in your life, even if you don't have a husband, your dad, you know, your brother, you know, people, you know, just caring for the universe as a whole. You know, and I think that nurturing, you know, when we start to nurture, you know, each other, then we have a, a we, we create a whole different space. We create a different dialogue. And that's a thing of beauty. So I, I want to ask, because I'm sure people's interests are really uh, pricked right now. Where can we find you out there in the interwebs, in the in the <laughs> World Wide Web? Tell these beautiful <laughs> listeners where they can find your yeah. beautiful presence. Okay. So I would say first go to my webpage, which is my whole name, Mawia Kai Eljimabomani, lowercase.com. And then they could go to all of my social media from there. So that's where they could definitely find me. Because mm-hmm. I'm yeah. books. Is there books or more classes or anything? Because because I definitely people are going to want to yeah. devour things that you put out. Well, I will be at Paganacon. And so, yeah, I'll be there. And so I'm doing a class on healing altars where we talk about liberation and different things like that. I'm doing one on poeting tarot, using tarot cards as poetry for our um, when we work with clients. And then there is one on hoodoo, just hoodoo cleaning and things like that. So, yeah, so they could definitely find me there doing all of that good stuff. And um, I'm working on some another book now, and we'll see where all of that leads us. <laughs> and possibly a deck of tarot. Oh, that'd be so cool. I don't read tarot personally. I'm more of a Lenormand critter myself. I love Lenormand, yes. Oh, <laughs> I think you commented on that post yeah, I put on Facebook. Yeah, I did, I did, I did. And I always have to uh, warn people before I start to read for them. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. the Norman's mm-hmm. a little to the point. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Me too. I do that too. Because people, you know, you know, sometimes I think they just come in and they think, oh, I'm going to have this experience like a little tea, tea house, you know. And then you pull out the Lenormand and then all their business is out there, right? I tell them, it's going to, it's going to, we're going to strip. You're going to strip. And they're like, what? Like, I'm like, you're going to strip. This is going to strip you. Take all your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just lay bare in front of in front of there God, go, everybody, <laughs> because it is literally like a punch in the gut. It is unrelenting. I have this one card deck that's really old that I started using when I started mm-hmm. reading back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I call it my my old man 
because older folks really don't care what you have to say about them. And I feel like this card deck is the same way. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I'll start reading for these people. And I, I read at a bar weekly mm-hmm. and I'll just look up at these people who have been drinking and they're just like, Ugh. just, just like <laughs> right, dumbfounded. Right, right. Did you really just say that to me? And I'm just like, <laughs> I didn't say it. Please don't hit me. Right, it's, right. The, it's the cards. The cards say it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's I love that too because you know when they ask you, I always I always give them the option. I'll say, okay, do you want tarot or do you want Lenormand? And then they're like, oh, well, you know what? What's the difference? And when I explain, you know, it's gonna do this, and they go, yeah, I want that. And then they're like, I don't want to hear all that. <laughs> you know, yeah, they're you know like, that's so true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just kind of like tarot holds you by the hand gently, and Lenormand puts you in a side headlock. Yes. Yes, and drags yes. you through all your stuff. Yes, yes. My deck, I always offer it a, a shot of whiskey, and I set my cards on top of it. It loves whiskey. Oh I yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yes, it does. <laughs> so yeah, so we do that. Once I once I put out a shot of tequila, and and, and I was reading for someone, and it got really wild. They were like, "Oh my goodness, that's all." I, you know, it's like, okay, we're gonna go back to the whiskey. Got to get to the liquor store. <laughs> Well, Mawia, it was so great to get to Thank talk you. to you today. I know, I know, I know. I love your spirit. I got to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is going to be the beginning of a mm-hmm. antic filled friendship and correspondence back yes, and forth. The world will never be the same. <laughs> no. Look at look out, world. I'm trying to figure out what a couple name would be for us. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> we'll work on that later. We'll work on it. I'm not caffeinated enough. Uh, well, yeah. Thank you it, so the much book for is me. Conjuring the Calabash, and mm-hmm. I encourage you all, no matter who you are, because there's, to me, there's a little something for everybody in here. Mm-hmm. Go out and pick this up from your local metaphysical book retailer, and can they get it? Uh, where else can they get it besides the um, big website? Yeah, any any of the bookstores. Now, lots of bookstores have it. They can do Barnes and Nobles, definitely, but other, mm-hmm. you know, mom and pops, I find that they have them as well. So yeah, just if they call, just check and see. Yeah, so they're everywhere. So, yeah. And you can probably order it because I know my local bookstore will order almost Mm -hmm. any metaphysical book that you want. So go out there and support this lovely author and support support your local witchcraft shops. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you soon, honey. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I just want to take a moment to share with you something that is very near and dear to my heart and also should be near and dear to the hearts of those listening to this program. If you have listened to the news lately, or maybe you've seen on your socials a series of bills attempting to be passed in many states by those who would desire to censor the history of the United States, mainly the history of historically marginalized communities, namely the LGBTQ. Q community, and the communities of color. These bills would censor the contributions these communities have made and hide the evils that they have suffered throughout this nation's history. I ask you to take some time and please reach out to your elected officials and tell them you do not support the censorship of history. Bills that seek to ban things such as the teaching of critical race theory and don't say gay or trans bills and drag bans are dangerous, not only because they erase the past, but they are also very dangerous to the present and the future as well. Again, I ask you to partner with me in taking a stand and speaking out. And also, thanks for hanging around. (laughs) 